Well, I don't even know what I want to talk about, so I don't even know where I want to tell you to turn. I just am so honored to be with you. I feel like this was just a God setup, and um, I just want to honor John and Tracy in the storehouse. I feel like this is a, just the Lord just wants, I think this is a kiss from heaven, just what he's doing. He loves you guys and all your labor and all your sacrifice and all your setbacks and move forwards and everything that was done in secret. God just, he loves you so much, and I just feel his pleasure for you guys. It's such an honor. I'm serious, guys. I just love these guys. Let's give them a hand. I'm serious. I think it was the last, one of the uh, set of fire DFWs when I was with Bunny, and my heart was just coming into a town, and I'm like, I got to meet with Tracy and John and see them and just tell them how much. And I just was just feeling God's heart for them, and uh, it's the way I feel tonight. I feel like God's inaugurating things in this city. I feel like this is a season that we, I feel like a lot of people have been under it. In a long way, I feel like in the prayer movement, there's been such warfare the last five years. And uh, actually, I've been so lost in the face of Jesus as shepherd. And you know, a lot of us love to talk about Psalm 23, but I believe it's Psalm 22 seasons that produce Psalm 23 revelation of the shepherd. Psalm 22 begins with, my God, my God, why have y'all forsaken me? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? How do we get from God, where are you? I'm naked, vulnerable, exposed. And the very revelation of God's delight in me is being tested to the core. How do we get from God, where are you, to the Lord is my shepherd? I have no needs. I have no wants because everything that I've ever needed is found in him. How does a soul get brought to such a place of dependence and trust and vulnerability and submission to the will of the Father? I believe it's because he allows crucifixion seasons in our life to shake the foundations, to shake us to the core, and to shake everything that's not of him. And many of us in those seasons will reach for other things, thinking that they'll bring uh, satisfaction and fulfillment just to find that they're not meeting the needs that we're looking for. And God brings us through the process, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because when, when, I believe that's where he's bringing the body of Christ in this hour. Guys, I'm telling you, I, I feel it. And I imagine me and Matt having talked it, from the what he even released with that new song. Oh, my goodness. It just speaks that God's, I believe, what he's doing to many in the body of Christ right now because he is shaking the things that can be shaken in our life. He's shaking all the false props and all the other things that we put our confidence in. Finances, our anointing or our calling or our senses of identity outside of him. And he allows these seasons, I believe, to shake everything to the core so that we would be founded on that rock in that unshakable kingdom so that as I believe as the shakings increase in this nation and they're going to increase, God's going to have a people who have been delivered from the shakable and who have broke through into the unshakable and I believe that they're going to be a shade tree for many and are going to bring hope and are going to bring faith and are going to bring breakthrough for many because they have broken through it in their own personal lives. So again, it's Psalm 22 crucifixion seasons that bring you to the Psalm 23 revelation of the shepherd. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What a statement, I shall not want. I have no needs outside of you. I wasn't even meaning to talk about that. But that's what hit me in Psalm 20, in, in, in January 23. 
He goes, I'm going to make you lie down in green pastures. I'm going to make you lie down. I believe he's bringing us into a place of rest. It's not just ceasing of activity. It's about living from the inside out, living out of the place of communion. He says, I'm going to lead you beside still waters. It's in the still waters that you see your reflection. And it's in the still waters. There's a proverb. It says, Proverbs 27, 19, it says that as in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. And I believe that God's going to bring many of us into seasons to where we see our reflection and we begin to go on some heart searching. Anyway, I don't, I don't know if we want to go there tonight. I believe he's going to take us and he's going to bring us into a place of restoration. Many of us have been fighting some big devils. Many of us have been taking a stand in the secret place. Others of us have been fighting for marriages that are on the brink of a divorce. Others of us have been fighting for prodigal sons and daughters. And we found just all hell waging war. And I believe that God's bringing us into a season of restoration where he's going to begin to personally minister to those unseen, those areas. I just want to jump off of what Matt was hitting because I believe, I don't know if you felt it, he just began to wash the room. Did you feel that? Do you know what was happening right there? And you need to understand what was happening because it's what I believe God wants to do. It's Zephaniah 3. Guess this is actually amazing. Jesus, I, mean, I don't want to go through our big end times teaching tonight, but we believe that, that there's coming great glory and great crisis in the nations. And there's going to be great rage against the nation of Israel. And there will be a, another assault of the evil one to completely destroy the Jewish people. But as we know from the word of God that when the enemy has Jerusalem surrounded, Jesus breaks in. The man returns. He destroys the evil one. And this is what, I mean, think about trauma. I mean, think about trauma. You've been whittled down to a handful of people in a nation. The evil one has just about annihilated you. And Jesus breaks in and delivers you. And it says in Zephaniah 3 that he's going to, what's the, what is Jesus going to do to break trauma off the remnant? That's what he'll do. He's going to rejoice over them with singing. Now time out. And he's going to quiet them in his love. Did you sense what just began to happen in the room? There was a lot of just busyness. I know there was in my soul. I've just been busy running all day. And as soon as he began to sing, there came a quietness on the room. And I began to receive his love. And begin to say, it's not about me stirring up and trying to get a message or trying to get into a place or whatever, and all of us and all the busyness of life. Guys, I want to tell you one of the things that God is doing in raising up houses of prayer and prayer rooms is to get our behinds in seats and raise up prophetic singers and worship leaders who will sing love songs over us, and we're going to see trauma broken. We're going to see fear broken. We're going to see anxiety broken. And we're going to see the love of God root and ground our hearts. Are you with me? That's why we got to be found in the place of prayer because, guys, trauma has hit many of us in different ways, and we need the songs of Jesus washing us and God's anointing prophetic singers. We're going to pray for you later. We got, a, we, got a, we got a case in point of what happens when Zephaniah 3 begins to break into time. He quiets us in his love. But we all know how Psalm 23 ends, doesn't it? He takes us through that season. We get a revelation of Jesus as shepherd. And I'm telling you, he's doing this with us. And it's this simple. I trust your leadership. Do you trust his leadership in your life? 
Because if you can't trust it in your personal life, can you trust him on a national scene? Can you trust him on a global scene? Can we trust his leadership that he's a good shepherd and he's a good leader? He knows what he's doing. It ends with what? Jesus preparing a table, setting our enemies on the other side of it, spiritual enemies. Sometimes it'll be physical enemies. And he's going to publicly vindicate his beloved ones. The Bible says that Jesus will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And what's he going to do? He's going to pull out the anointing oil and he's going to pour it over us. He's going to release oil in the presence of our enemies. When Jesus releases the anointing on you in the presence of your enemies, maybe it's those demon powers that are seeking to destroy your marriage, those demon powers that are seeking to kill your children, those demon powers that are coming after your finances or that spirit of death that comes after you, and we're going to take our stand and say, no, I'm staying with Jesus through all of this. I'm clinging to him. I don't have a bailout plan. And I believe that the answer for those who stay in there is he's going to anoint us with oil. Cups are running over. A revelation of goodness and mercy. And what are we going to end up with? It's not just flying away saying, thank you, Jesus, for that season. No. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. (laughs) Which means prayer rooms will be filled across the earth. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I'm going to live in his presence forever going to live in his presence forever. That's the reward. It's not so that I can get a lot of money and move into the goodness and mercy season. The reward is his presence. See, God isn't a butler to get you out of jams. He's not an ATM machine to get you for your breakthrough or for that bill in the mail that you need a breakthrough for. Many believe it. That's what he's shifting with the whole thing. It's about him. It's about ministry to him. It's about my highest joy and my highest is being in his presence. I want to tell you that I love the presence of God more than I do anything else. I love the presence of God more than I do anything else. His presence is my good. I love his presence. Who loves his presence? And he's taking many of us in this season. And I believe that there's been great warfare against those who are called to stand before the Lord and to minister before him. I don't think we understand. Guys, I want to tell you it's exploding across the earth, worship and prayer. It's happening in houses and in churches and houses of prayer and prayer rooms. People are getting a revelation that Sunday for 45 minutes is not enough. Jesus didn't die for 45 minutes and 20 bucks. He died to rend veils, to separate hindrances, to bring heaven and earth, God and man, into intimacy and into union with one another. Jesus is worth far more than 45 minutes and 20 bucks. And he becomes not just a slice of our weekly pie, but he becomes our obsession. He becomes... He becomes that place of of obsession. I love the presence of God more than anything else. He's not a means to an end. He is the end. 
Prayer and worship isn't another part of your Christian diet. It's not a slice of the good Christian life. It is an obsession with a man. It is an obsession with the man. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about obsession with the man and his presence and seeing that the heavenly song that's going on day and night around the throne would be manifested on the earth. It blows me away. I was just, we had breakfast, I had breakfast this morning with Tracy and just hearing the visions and the dreams that hit her heart with this reality in 1999, dreams that interrupted her life. She even know what it was about and God wrecked her. And to watch, her, watch God, by that vision, he wrecks us. Isn't it just like God? He wrecks us. We're like, we're all in. <laughs> he goes, good. I'm glad you bought in on the front end. Because if you knew all you have to go through. <laughs> and he takes us and we hit left, rights, ups, downs, coming back, coming forward. And yet in every season when we just want to give up, He puts that demand on that vision on the inside of us, saying, no, you're made for my presence. You're made to take a stand for this, and he won't let us go with it. I don't know about you, but I've been eaten with a virus. I have a virus. I'm sorry, it's stronger than Ebola. I'm serious. It's stronger than any pandemic. It's stronger than any virus that will ever be released in the earth. And the virus is called zeal for his house. And zeal will wreck your life. It's not, I'm not talking about human personality or human zeal or human energy to make something happen. I'm talking about something that burns in the heart of God to see heaven and earth become one. And to see the song of heaven become the song on earth until the two become one. See, they don't stop around the throne. Do you know that? They don't stop day and night, night and day. They constantly sing holy, holy, holy around the throne of God. See, what's beginning to happen is God is beginning to awaken people across the earth and beginning to give us snapshots, and he's doing it by the songs that are coming out. I mean, how many of us have encountered God by Matt's song on holy, holy? I mean, my goodness. And when you get, I love Matt's story. Matt came in, what year did you come, 03? 04 to the One Thing Internship, a little good Nazarene boy from Minnesota. Lutheran, that's right. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> yeah. He comes, his voice wasn't that good. He just had long hair and a little goofy. Guess what started happening in the internship? 18, 19? Lord starts visiting him and taking him to heaven. Starts having encounters where Jesus takes him around the city, the new Jerusalem. Starts having encounters with the throne room of God. He comes back and his voice has changed. He comes back and when he begins to sing about Revelation 4, he's not just trying to dig around a passage. He's singing as if someone that's been there. It's not a make-believe. These are realities that are going on right now and God is doing that with men and women. He's doing it with worship leaders, housewives, businessmen. He's doing it with intercessors, and he's beginning to awaken us to the realities of heaven. For me, you can look at it in my Bible. It's spending 16 years reading Revelation 4 over and over and over again so that now when I close my eyes, Corey's not in Kansas anymore. I'm on a sea of glass mingled with flaming fire. 
And with the eyes of faith, I'm singing to the burning one, the shining one. I'm gazing upon that man at the right hand who has, has marks in his hands. The beautiful man, and I sing to him. And as that veil is getting thinned, what's beginning to happen? On earth, God. On earth. On earth. You're worthy to be worshipped day and night in Dallas. These strip clubs are open 24-7. These bars are open 24-7. These, everything's open 24-7, and the church says, don't go past 12 o'clock. You'll mess with cowboys. They're actually having a good year. We've got Walgreens that are 24-7, Walmarts that are 24-7, gas stations. And the church goes, you go to 1230, I'm leaving. Do you know what it is? It's because it's not about calling you to do more stuff. It's about calling you to see him. The issue is not doing more. You don't need to give more, pray more, evangelize more, do the 20,000. No, do all those and work all those. But there's a greater issue. Have you seen him? And when the worth of that man touches you, and when heaven begins just a little bit, begins to touch your spirit, I promise you, your checkbook will begin to get loose as you sow it into the kingdom. Your time will begin to not find out when you can get away and get away with the least minimum of prayer, but it's God, I want to set apart time. I want to sell things so I don't have to work as much to pay for all my stuff so I can spend more time in prayer. You start asking different questions. or It's not about prayer, and then some of you are... Anyway, you know what I'm saying. It's some like that. Others of you are getting wrecked with it in the middle of the marketplace. God's anointing your hands with fine. I'm seeing three realities come together. He's anointing preachers. He's anointing intercessors. And he's anointing these Cyruses, these marketplace people. Anointed that while they're in the marketplace, they got their hands on the earth, but their spirits are in heaven. And they're communing with God, saying, God, I want you. And he goes, that's why I can trust you to be a funnel of, of resource. That's what he's doing. It's a revelation of him. And I believe that God's going to take places like Dallas and make it one of his jewels. Because he's really into breaking that religious spirit. He's really into breaking that religious spirit. Some people are called, like I was telling Tracy today, some people are called to go to hard and dark places like third world countries. Others are called to harder and darker places like the Bible Belt. <laughs> I'm serious. People who have just enough religion to look good on the outside but yet be dead on the inside. They know how to play the part look moral, look like sophisticated, they got it all together, but inside they're dead, filled with adultery and murder and greed and covetousness. There's a man. His name is Jesus, amen? Well, that's my introduction. Jesus, God, I say, God, and the five parts of Dallas, raise up, God, houses of prayer, homes of prayer, praying churches in this region. God, release your fire. God, I pray that you would release a season of visitation. Guys, I ho, ho, ho. Right now, just release it right now. God, I pray for five corners of Dallas, north, south, east, west, and in the center. God, I pray, God, release a season of visitation. 
I've been living since I've gotten home, reading three chapters, and I really believe it's important for us. I've been reading Exodus 32, 33, and 34. And it's Moses on the mountain with God. And what does God want to do in seasons of transition? I've been just reading Moses in that encounter and just getting jealous for the glory of God. You know what it says in Exodus it's a mess. They're all Moses up on the mountain encountering God. They get down there. I mean, these are people who saw the Red Sea split in two. I mean, that'd be a cool one. And yet they get about 10 days in the journey. Moses up on the mountain, and they're all down there saying, what's become of this guy? He thinks he's the leader. Aaron, let's make a golden calf and start worshiping it. You know what it says at the beginning of Exodus 32, when they saw that Moses was delayed. They said, what's become of him? Let's make our own God and worship it. The the deceitfulness of human hearts when God doesn't break in on your timetable. We will come up with bailout plans. We will come up with false gods to worship. You know what happens. They're up there. God says, Moses, leave me alone. I'm going to smoke them all and start over with you. That's what he said. God told Moses, leave me alone. Just get out of here. You leave me alone. I'm going to start over with you. I'm going to kill them all right now. And Moses says, God, don't do that. These are your people. What are the Egyptians going to say? You brought them out here to kill them. I love it. He appeals to God saying, what are they going to think about you? (laughs) What's Pharaoh? They'll be in there talking saying, what kind of God brings them out here and kills them all? (laughs) It's crazy. And then it says, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, remember your covenants. And you know what it says? It says that God relented. The actual translation is he repented. He literally relented of the harm he was going to do. And he says, okay, Moses, okay, you got me. He backs off. Moses comes down there, sees the party going on, takes the Ten Commandments, breaks them, burns the calf, makes all the people drink all the powder from the calf, Says, I'm mad at all of you. He says, I'm taking my tent. I'm going far from you. And I'm planting my house on the other side of town. And I love it. It says that, when, and it says this. It's so amazing. It says, and he called it the tabernacle of meeting. And this is where I've been living, so I'll just talk to you this way. And it says that when Moses would enter into the tabernacle, the pillar of cloud would descend and the Lord would speak to him there. And the Lord would speak to him face to face like a friend. And everyone in the whole nation saw the pillar of cloud descend and they all came out of their tents and they worship because there's a pillar of cloud over his his tent and he's encountering Jesus. Well, Exodus 33 comes around and the Lord says, Moses, I want you to take them up from here. It's time to move from the mountain, but I got to let you know something. I'm going to send my angel ahead of you And he's going to rout out the enemies, but I'm not going to go in your midst because if I come in your midst, I'll kill everybody. And he tells him that, and Moses goes, no, God. He goes, God, you can't do that. He he begins to come before the Lord, and he begins to cry out saying, God, you've told me that I found grace in your sight. Go with us, God. I want you to go with us. And I love it. The Lord tells Moses, he says, my presence will go with you. And I love that phrase. He goes, Lord, I'm glad that your presence wants to go with me, but I want your presence to go with us. 
He goes, do not bring us up here without your presence. Anyway, it's just fascinating. Everybody say presence. He goes, how shall we be separate from any other people across the earth unless your presence goes with us? I'm going to tell you what is going to be the distinguisher of the church. It's going to be the presence. It's going to be the anointing. It's going to be intimacy with the Holy Spirit, the glory of God resting on the church. That's the distinguisher. Not new techniques. It's going to be His presence. I love it. The Lord says, okay, okay, you got my attention. I'm going to go with all of you. He says, Moses, I'm going to go with you. And Moses goes, no, you're going with all of us or don't bring us up here. I love Moses. As an intercessor, he goes, it's not enough for me just to have my own personal breakthrough. There's so many believers that I'm running into today that are just content for their own open heaven. I enjoy intimacy with God, praise God. And I love my personal intimacy with God, but God's raising up friends who say, God, it's not enough that my neighbors don't have an open heaven or that my city doesn't have an open heaven. And he's raising up intercessors that are saying, God, I want your presence to go with us, that your glory would be back in the church again, and that the fear of God would rest upon our pulpits again and would rest upon believers again. I believe it's all connected. I'm still hashing this out and wrestling it out, but I believe it has a lot to do with the church beginning to separate themselves from the world. Well, the verse that's been wrecking my life is a verse we all know. Exodus 33, 18. He says, now that I've got your attention, God, he says, please show me your glory. Everybody say, please. Please show me your glory. He, the man that saw the Red Sea split, he'd seen the, the, the cloud by day, the fire by night, he'd seen it all. And he says, God, I want, I want your glory. He goes, show me your glory. And the Lord's been speaking to me this. He goes, Corey, I'm going to restore the pleas to the church. Stick with me here. This is what's wrecking me. I just want to, I'll get there. Please show me your glory. I want a revelation of you, God. The Lord says, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord. He goes, Moses, Moses, this is how it's going to work. Tomorrow you're going to come back up here. You can't see my face. That's the one issue. You can't see my face for whoever sees my face dies. He goes, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock, and I'm going to walk by you and cover you with my hand. I don't know how big his hand is. This is crazy, Matt. This is what's been wrecking me. I don't know how big his hand. He puts him in the cleft of the rock, and he says, you can't see my face because the day you see my face, you die. He says, I'm going to put my hand over you so you can't see my face and hold it there, and then I'll remove it so you can see my back. And I've just been undone. I've read this story for 20 years and thought mostly about the fire and the cloud and the and the glory encounter and this lightning show that's going on with Moses. Moses is getting encountered, and for some reason, it's almost like it's, there's been a fog over my mind. For the first time, I'm getting undone. And he's talking to God, and God has a, has a hand. And God has a back. And God has a face. And God's standing with them, and he's proclaiming his name to him. 
was he seeing? He's seeing Jesus. Jesus showing up before he was born into the earth. And he says, Moses, you can't see my face, but you're wanting to see my glory. You're wanting a revelation of my nature and of my name. He says, I'll show it to you in this way. Later on, you'll see it in my face. John 1, it says, no one has seen God, but the, but the, the only begotten Son, He has declared Him to us. He says, you'll see my face later. But for now, I'm going to give you a revelation of my nature. It's called my back. As I've been reading this and I've been meditating on passages like 1 Peter 1, where it says that the prophets knew that there was coming Christ who would suffer and then be raised again. The revelation of the prophets, Moses had revelation, all the prophets had revelation that Messiah was coming and that he would suffer. And what is the revelation of God's glory that he's giving to Moses? I believe with all my heart that Moses saw the 40 minus 1 lashes in his back. I believe that he saw... He saw the ripped flesh of his back and he got a preview of the coming day where the Lamb of God would bear himself up on that cross and the nature of God would be openly declared to a generation. He goes, I want you to know that I'm overcoming judgment by mercy. The revelation of his back. I'm just undone with the revelation of his back. Because I believe that the revelation of his back is the only cure for America. I believe that the revelation of that man's back is the only answer for America. We have one place of confidence, one place, and we cry mercy based on his sacrifice. Lord shows up the next day and he proclaims the name of the Lord. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, abounding in loving kindness, slow to anger, keeping mercy for thousands. The revelation of His nature, the revelation of His goodness. This is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I am. It blows me away. God's ready to smoke them all. Moses goes, no, I know you. And I want to pull something out of your heart. I want to pull a revelation of your glory and of your name into this generation because it's not enough for you just to go before us or behind us or around us. I want you to go with us, and I want you to be in our midst. And Moses, as an intercessor, cried out, Show me your glory, God. Reveal your nature as compassionate. Reveal your nature as merciful. Reveal your nature as gracious. That's what we need. That's our only plea in this this day. The revelation of the mercy of God, the revelation of His grace and His kindness. And beloved, you know what it says in John 17, 26, just a few more moments. Jesus says, I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it. That the love with which you loved me would be in them and I in them. When Jesus hung on that cross, I mean, think about this. The glory of God was passing before a generation. Gracious, compassionate, 
slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Show me your glory. I believe that we are about to see a move of the Holy Spirit like we have never seen in this nation before. I believe we are going to see such a historic outpouring of the grace and the mercy and the compassion of God and we will see millions of souls saved in this coming harvest. We will see a move of the Holy Spirit from California. It will break through. I'm telling you, the Bible Belt and the spirit of religion is no match for the tidal wave of glory that's going to break in. There is coming a move of the Holy Spirit. I believe we're at the cusp of it. I'm not saying this as just some optimistic preacher. I'm all in on this issue. I'm all in. We've got intercessors in this room that are all in to see the glory of God. And I believe, I I kept hearing it the last couple of days, what he said to Moses in Deuteronomy 1. He goes, you've been at this mountain long enough. It's time to move up from here. You've been at this mountain long enough. And the mountain is the place of stripping. It's the place where all the false stuff strips. It's the place of humility. It's the place where the vain idols get crushed. It's the place where we look to other things. It's the place where God aligns our heart and covenant with him because God is preparing a people to move out of this into a new season, and it's a season of glory. It's a season of his abiding presence. It's a season of the priesthood. Glory. Glory, if I could get those five words into your spirit that you would begin to cry out throughout your days, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. It's not, God, I just want a light show. God, I want a revelation of you. I want a revelation of the cross. Even as I began to talk about the cross a while ago, it began to even get religious in some of your minds. I'm telling you, there's coming a preaching on the cross that's not going to make you just feel sorry for Jesus and what he did. But it's going to get lost as he pierces you with love. It's going to pierce you with love. This man, the innocent Lamb of God, comes to the earth and takes on your form. And the perfect life you and I could not live the life, the attainment to the standards of God we could not fulfill. He comes and He takes on our form. And He fulfills every requirement, every temptation, every arrow of the devil. He took it for me and you and He walked right through it trusting the Father. And then it says, now for this purpose the Son of Man has been manifested. Oh, then He climbed up on that cross. And without saying a word, he kept his mouth quiet like a lamb led to the slaughter. And he says, Father, Father. And the Father released his punishment on his son. And we see the glory of God manifested to a generation. And the life you could not live, he lived. And the death you could not die, he died. He took you into himself. And he says, Father, what's belonging to Corey, pour it out on me. And in crushing me, you are killing that old nature in him. I'm taking it into myself, the punishment for their sins, taking him into the ground and breaking the power of sin and grave and Satan. There's coming a revelation of the cross. There's coming a revelation of the blood. There's coming a revelation of his back. There's coming a revelation of his face. 
God has a back. God has hands. God has a face. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, the very fact you go, yeah, I got that. You don't got nothing. The one who spoke the heavens into existence becomes a fetus in a virgin's womb and then grows within the virgin and then is birthed and then walks that life, grows and, and my goodness, and then he receives the punishment for our sins. There's coming a revelation of glory, souls being saved. Healings, deliverances, the power of the gospel breaking in. I'm telling you, and Dallas will crumble. Dallas will crumble, I'm telling you. Maybe that's why I have so many friends here. There's coming days of revival. I'm getting my running shoes on. That's why I'm going to start preaching in running shoes. I think it's time that we're about to hit a season of running. It's a season of great glory. But guys, I want to make something clear to you. Revival comes and it shakes everything. It shakes every faulty foundation. It's going to expose every fault line. It's going to prepare a nation for war. It's going to prepare a nation for great shaking. This is not a game and for good meetings. This is about eternal souls being prepared for eternity. It's about a nation that God wants to shake and call to himself. It's a great time to be alive. It's no hour to fear. It's an hour to be alive in God because the love of God has broken the power of fear. And I'm like, God, do it. Shake it all now, God. Just do it. Jesus, show me your glory. Get that prayer inside of you. Please show me your glory. Everybody say, please. It's not like it'd be nice if it works out. It's a demand i got to have a breakthrough of you, God. A revelation of your nature. A revelation of your heart. Jesus in John 17 says, I have declared to them your name and I will declare it. That the love with which you loved me would be in them and I in them. You know what Jesus is praying? You're going to love Jesus the way the Father loves Jesus. How's that going to happen? I mean, first off, how much does the father love his son? A lot. What would your life look like if you begin to love Jesus the way the father loves Jesus? Would we just sit in the corner and twitch? I mean, I don't know what we'd do. What's going on with her? I mean, she just really loves Jesus. That's the most intense lovers, they twitch. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know. I can only think of twitching because our frames can't handle it. But this is my question. That's awesome. Jesus prayed it. Who in here knows that Jesus gets his prayers answered? Okay. And you know why he prayed it and it was written down? So you can believe it. How is he going to take people like us that are so half-hearted, so we really want God, but in other areas we don't. How's he going to take people like us? He's going to declare his name over us. He's going to declare his name gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, 
And the revelation of God's nature is going to break the walls of rejection on the inside of you. It's going to break the walls of fear and the dams of of every other barricade that you build around your life. And what's going to begin to happen is I always picture dams that we build around our life of self-protection. And the revelation of his nature is like a battering ram that keeps hitting and hitting and hitting until water begins to break through the cracks. And love begins to break out of the inside of us. Who in here knows Jesus is an intercessor? Intercessors are bulldogs. They're locked in, and he's not going to stop until dams break on the inside of you. I believe he wants to reveal his glory, and I believe he wants to write that prayer on the inside of your spirit. Jesus, let's stand. I don't even fully know what the message is tonight. I'm just kind of talking. I love it that my job is just to cry over chapters so I don't have to, per se, have to work something up. I just come over here and bleed before you. I've just been crying, saying, God, I want just simple phrases like, God, I want to talk to you face-to-face like a friend. I want to talk with you face-to-face like a friend. I'm going to ask if there's anybody in this room. You don't have, you've never seen his back before. You've never had revelation of the, of the 40 minus 1 lashes. Y'all have seen the passion of Christ, and that's a dim reflection of what really happened. And it's not about trying to come up with some emotional feeling of feeling bad about something. It's about a revelation that the innocent one became guilty so that guilty ones would become innocent. It's about the revelation of love that would drive God to the planet to take on your form and to suffer what he suffered for your sake. And he wants you to gaze upon his back. He wants you to put your fingers in those stripes. He wants you to feel it. He wants you to see it. And say, oh my God, the Messiah is coming and he's going to suffer. He's going to die and he's going to be raised again. Because I believe it's going to be the revelation of the suffering Messiah that's going to raise up bond servants. We're going to see a new generation of laborers that are going to give themselves fully. And not look for the least amount to give Jesus. You know what they sing in heaven all the time? Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Think about that. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. The crucified one is the famous one in heaven. Highest glory. Is there anybody in here you've never given your life to Jesus? You don't know him. You don't know his sacrifice or the love that he shed for you in the 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 death that he died for you. You don't know it. You don't know where you would spend eternity. You don't know that love. You don't know him as a person. You know him as a figure or historical figure, but you don't know him. If you don't know him, tonight is your night. I want to ask, is there anybody in here that wants to give your life to Jesus tonight? Raise your hand. Good. Well, it's time for him to to break us at another level.
I want, to, I want him to, to reveal himself to us as glory. Just open up your hands across the room. Here. Father, I ask you right now, I don't even fully know all that you're doing, God, but Lord, you're wrecking me with Exodus 32 and 33 and 34, and I believe it's very important for the Joel spirit that you're releasing in this hour. You know what Joel, the the prophet, said? He says, rend your heart and not your garments. I love it. He says, return to the Lord your God, for he's gracious. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's full of kindness. Who knows if he will relent and leave a blessing behind him. I believe that he's blowing Joel's trumpet in this nation. It's an awakening. And it's an awakening to the knowledge of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Increase your presence, Holy Spirit, right now. Just release your fire and release your glory. I ask you to sound that alarm inside our souls, God. I just ask you for my own life, God. I want to see your back like I've never seen your back. I want to gaze upon the one who is coming. It's going to give his life. I want to see the Lamb of God. I want to see the revelation of his holiness and his glory. I just ask you, Father, to release that cry of Moses on the inside of us. Please show us your glory. Please show me your glory. Please show me your glory, God. God, I ask you to birth that cry in the heart of every man and woman and child in this place. Please show me your glory, God. I've got to break through into a new place of encountering your heart, encountering your face, encountering your back, encountering your hands. I want to encounter with you like I've never had. I ask you to release a season of encounter over every man and woman in this place, God. Season of encounter. I declare a shift. We come out of the room of offense and accusation. Jesus. Some of you have been like those Israelites, that in the season of delay, you came up with false gods to get you through. The Lord says, I want you to smash your idols. I want you to smash your idols. I want you to smash your idols. It's a season of consecration and a season of fresh covenant with God. It's a season of setting yourself apart for this season of transition. Glory's coming. Glory's here and glory's coming. He wants us to smash our idols. Smash the false gods. If that's you across this room and you know that in the season of the delay, when God hasn't broken in on your timeline, there's seeped in other gods that have stolen your affections. It might be a thing or a person or a place, but it's stolen the affections. And God says, I want you to smash it. I want you to declare war on everything. I'm a jealous God. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now and you want to say before heaven, God, I want to smash my idols. Raise your hand if that's you. 
forgive us of accusation and offense. Forgive us of idolatry. Forgive us, God, of building broken cisterns that can hold no water and forsaking the fountain of living waters. Talk to him right now. Ask him right now. Just say, God, forgive me. You're gracious and compassionate. Have mercy on me, God. God, I didn't know when you were going to break in and I didn't know how to handle that. Oh, have mercy on me, God. Oh, have mercy on me, God. That's right. That's right. That's it. Holy Spirit, increase your presence. Smash the idols. Smash the idols. Moses came in and he burned it. He ground it into powder. And he made them drink it. It's time for a grinding of into powder those other things that have stolen our affections. all over the room. Just begin to lift your voice a little bit. Begin to talk to Him. Increase your presence, Holy Spirit. Increase your presence, Holy Spirit. (sighs) Friends of God. I ask you to raise up friends of God. I ask you to raise up friends of God. Let's do it. Let's smash our idols. The Lord's been talking to me about the mountain of God. The mountain of God. There's things that happen at the mountain of God. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Clean hands. Pure hearts. No idols. He shall receive blessing. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek your face. Thank you, God. 